and welcome to this week's podcast. This is Josh Carlson with Hilltop Community Church, and I just want to say we're really glad that you joined us today. If you're new to the church, make sure to visit us online at hilltopchurchnv.com and fill out one of the online connection cards. We'd love to get connected with you and just say hello. While you're there, you can also find out more information about the church, get connected with Bible studies, submit prayer requests, and even find other sermons on the website as well. Now, make sure that you have your coffee, have your Bible, and your notepad ready to go, because we're about to get started with today's message. Uh, this morning, on my left here, I have, I have Tim Plummer, who's the FCA Area Director. His wife, Gina, is here, and then also Caitlin Browning. All three of them work with Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Northern Nevada. And then on my right, you guys know this guy. This is Ty McMillan. He's one of our elders. And Ty is also the FCA Advisor at Carson High School. And so what I want to do with these two gentlemen this morning is we're going to finish up the book of Hebrews here, and we're going to see the motivation for good works. Um, and so we're going to see six things about God that should motivate us to, to carry out good works. A lot of times you hear good works and it sounds like legalism or it sounds like somebody's pushing you to do something um, that maybe, maybe is outside your comfort zone, and that may be true. Um, but ultimately the motivation for it is who God is, what God has done, and then the, the Word of God uh, and, and the way that that's presented to you through spiritual leaders. And so I'm going to show you six things about God that motivate us to do good works, and then I'm going to show you six things that spiritual leaders and God's Word should be doing to motivate us to do good works. Um, obviously this message is mostly directed at Christians who are following God and then longing to live a life that honors Him. But the other thing I'll share with you, if you're, if you're not a Christian this morning, I want you to hear the life that a Christian is called to lead. And ultimately if you were to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you'd look at His death on the cross and say, He died for the forgiveness of my sins. He was raised from the dead three days later to prove that He is the Messiah and to give me new life. I'm going to hand my life over to Him as my Lord. You become a Christian. This is what the life that you're being called to if you choose to follow Him. Um, and so th that's what we'll look at this morning. Let me pray, and then we'll read the verses in two different sections. So Heavenly Father, this morning we, we, we praise You. Uh, we recognize who You are and how good You are. We recognize that You are the God of peace, uh, that by Your power You brought Your Son Jesus our Lord up from the dead. And He is the, he's the shepherd of the sheep, and His blood has... Uh, saved for us, made us a, a new relationship with you. Um, and, and in that you've made us new creations, God, you equip us with everything we need to do your will, and we want to live a life that is honoring and pleasing to you. Ultimately, that's what this, this message wraps up with. So cause us not to fall away or to become stagnant in our faith, but, in, in other, but it, instead to press forward. God, lead us to press forward in our faith. Um, doing what you've called us to do. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Hebrews 13, verses 20 and 21, they say this. They say, Now may the God of peace, who brought, you up from, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, equip you with everything good to do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So the context of, of this letter is that it's been a challenge to the reader over and over and again to not fall away in their faith and back into what was culturally acceptable at that point in time, which for them would have been going back to Judaism for us to be probably... Pass a microphone, um, and so the the temptation was to give in to uh, the the culture around them and maybe practice a a form of religion that was more acceptable. And so that can happen to us as Christians as well. We can end up falling back into old ways. And so what I, what I wanted to show you here is the motivation for good works here at the at the end of this letter. We have the first six here, which are, are things about God. And so we have the perfect character of God, that who he is, he's the God of peace and the, the great shepherd of the sheep. We could say much more about him, but those are the two things that are listed here. Um, so his perfect character is what's motivating us to, to do good works. Uh, the mighty works of God, that he has brought Jesus up from the dead. And so that would be another part of it. Do you want to test this? Coming on. There we go. 
Okay. I wasn't beatboxing a minute ago, I swear. Um, I'm not very good at it. Um, I can play songs on a duck call, though, if you ever want. Anyway, okay, so here, let's focus. We need to focus. Um, the, the mighty works of God that he has, uh, that he brought up Jesus from the dead, and so those same, that same mighty working is in us. And then we have the promises of God, the, everla- the blood of the everlasting covenant, that he has made us his children and his ambassadors. We didn't do anything to earn it or deserve it, and we couldn't do anything to lose it, but instead we want to live in that place of security that he has for us. Uh, the empowering of God, that He has equipped us to do everything good according to His will, and He's doing that through His Son, Jesus Christ, who works mightily within us. And then another, another motivation for good works is that we would be living in a way that brings Him pleasure and honor. We want to work what is pleasing in His sight, not in our sight, not in our culture's sight, but in His sight. And then in the end, we want to bring glory to Jesus um, and ultimately to our Father who has uh, reconciled us to Himself through uh, our actions. So we want Him to receive glory forever and ever. And so you have right there the first, the first part of our motivation for good works is not um, being beat up or pushed around, but instead we look at who God is, we look at what God has done, we look at what He's doing inside of us, and then from that place we say, God, what are you, what are you calling me to? What good do you have for me to do? And so as we talk about fellowship of Christian athletes, um, and, and this is something that's going on in our local schools, and you hear athletes, but it's also, it encompasses everybody. Really, any student or anybody with any kind of background is welcome at these huddles. Um, but Tim, what drew you to FCA in the first place, and, and what motivates you to keep going? Maybe just answer the first one. What drew you to FCA in the first place? Yeah, so uh, just to share a little bit of background, um, so... Uh, I, I came to know the Lord as a youth. God saved me when I was a teenager. Uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And so if it wasn't for a friend of mine that I played soccer with, who, invi- who kept inviting me to youth group, um, I, I, you know, that, that's how I got introduced to God and, and, and started that relationship with him. Um, and then, um, so that was a big part of my testimony as a young person. And then uh, in, in my 20s, uh, whenever I, I, I gave my life back to the Lord um, and, and got married, my wife and I started volunteering uh, with youth and kids at, at our church. And so we did that for about 10 years, just always had a passion uh, for young people, for youth, and, and just loved hanging out with them and, and, and being there for them, you know, sharing God's word with them and sharing my testimony with them. And then kind of fast forward, uh, God was, um, well, actually, he, he, he said a few things to me. One, uh, you know, throughout those years, he said, I'm calling you to be a pastor. I remember him saying, I'm calling you to be a coach. Um, and then I remember him uh, calling me to help young people become passionate followers of Christ. And so fast forward, um, after volunteering with youth and kids for t- about 10 years, then I became a youth pastor uh, for about three years. And then I started volunteering with FCA um, and then now I've been on staff with, with FCA for six years. So you can just kind of look back over those 20 or so years, 25 years, and just see how, how God was working in your life. And, oh, it's gone. Um, I forgot the, the verbiage of that. But just God working in my life um, for working in us what is pleasing in his sight. And so, uh, you know, just diving into what God's calling me to do and, and how, you know, seeing everything that he's done for me. And then God, you know, what, what do you want me to do with this life now that you've, you've saved and, and given me this new life? What do you want me to do with it? And, um, so here I am six, six years into FCA. So. Mm-hmm. And, and through that process, Hilltop's been a part of um, supporting Tim for five of those years. Your first year you're on board, and then Tim and I worked together many times over the years. In fact, we, we played youth sports together as kids. Um, but uh, when I saw what Tim was doing, um, it was something that we brought forward to the mission board and then to the elder board, and we've been able to be a part of supporting Tim and Gina for the last five years. Um, both, uh, we'll talk about pray, give, go, that we've been praying for that ministry, we've been giving to that ministry, and our staff have been a part of going and serving in that ministry. And so that's been a really healthy relationship that the church has had with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Uh, one of the other things that happened is I met Ty at FCA. And so Ty, what, what drew you to FCA? Yeah, for me, it was an invitation. And that's an encouragement, an encouraging word for each of you is to invite, invite others. 
if you're in a capacity to serve, invite others to serve with you. Invite others to come to church with you. So it was an invitation. I was in Vegas, and we moved up here 10 years ago. And that first year, I was a football coach. And so it was the very first day of summer football. And I was on the field, and one of the coaches who I'd never met before, he knew me because I played high school football up here, and so he had coached against me. But he asked me, he says, do you know what FCA, do you know about FCA? And I said, no, I've never heard of FCA. Now, I came from coaching in Las Vegas for five years with a bunch of coaches who were far from Christ. And, and you know, living on, you know, working on that football field and being a witness, right, by, the, by my actions. But so I've been a follower of Christ since I was 25 years old. And so he said, it's the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I'm going to bring someone to meet you tomorrow. And so the next day, sure enough, he brought uh, Pastor James Parker, who was in town for many years. In fact, Tim and I, we just remember, uh, he married Tim and Gina, Pastor James Parker. And, and back in 2005, Pastor James Parker, uh, he had sons in the high school playing sports. And he knew he wanted his, his boys to know Christ, to grow up with Christ, and have a, a, an avenue to speak and share about Christ in the public school. And so he knew about FCA, but he was not an FCA employee or representative. He just said, hey, we're bringing FCA on campus. And the head football coach at that time said, I'm in. Let's do it. And so FCA has been on the Carson High campus since 2005. But really, since Tim has started with the, with the organization, we've now we're really uh, – we're a part of FCA. We have all the, the, the reps and the directors, and, and they're coming in and providing. Um, at that time, 10 years ago, when I said, yes, I want to be a part of this, I just joined every week when they would meet in Coach McHenry's uh, classroom. And many of you know Coach McHenry because he teaches over at Sierra Lutheran High School. He's the athletic director. He retired from Carson. And that's where I met Kurt. Uh, through him being a youth pastor and coming. And, and so that's how I was introduced to FCA. And, and it's just been an incredible tool uh, for us to be able to bring Christ into the schools. And I'm just so happy to be a part of it. Okay, so the second part of that question, while I get my iPad to cooperate, is um, what motivates you to keep going? Uh, microphone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't see you with the microphone, so it just doesn't click. And then, oh, yeah, wait, okay. So uh, the empowering part, uh, seeing God, um, actually feeling, seeing, uh, hearing God, um, working in and through um, just myself, you know, the, the advisors, the, the pastors that come and share um, throughout the students, uh, just, just being a part of that, being... Um, I said, God allowing me to be a part of that and, and witnessing that, it's, it's a very just humbling uh, opportunity to, to be a part of, and I'm, I'm just so thankful for it. And, you know, I just, I, I wouldn't rather be anywhere else doing anything else. And so uh, for, for me, it's, it's kind of a, a no-brainer. Um, and actually, one more thing, I didn't, I didn't add this the first service, but... God's vision that we're going to share later, the, the five-year vision of, of how God is going to continue to grow FCA um, to reach many of their campuses um, and, and youth for Christ is, is just, that's another thing that keeps me going. So, I would say for me, you know, the, the equip part of our verses this morning, God has equipped and he continues to equip me in, in ways of building relationships um, being able to listen to, encourage others. Uh, I see life change that takes place on the Carson High campus. I see life change in the teachers. We have, uh, there's, there's a group of teachers that meet Monday, Wednesday, Friday on Carson campus and we pray. And we'll have sometimes 12, sometimes six. And um, there are teachers that have come who don't know the Lord, but they're coming. One teacher who continually comes. Another one we just had come on Friday who she's never come to our prayer group. And, and she says, I'm going to sit in here and see what you guys do. And it was just so neat. In fact, just a side tangent, that lady, um, when she came in, she says, I never read the Bible. I have no idea what it says. And I had a message from our teacher friend who hosts that every Monday, Wednesday, Friday in his classroom. And he says that this, this teacher stayed for a half an hour after our prayer group. He handed her a Bible. 
and uh, and that's the type of stuff we're doing. So even adults on campus, but but let's just praise what God's doing with our youth. Uh, I had a young lady come into my classroom just this Friday. We're leaving. We're on vacation, right, for this whole week. And she came after school to see me, and she says, and this is one of our young leaders of our of our club. She says, Mr. McMillan, God has been putting on my heart a, uh, this message of shame. And she said, the enemy keeps trying to push this shame on me and on my friends and, and tries to, to tell us that we're not worthy, that, that, that we're no good, that we messed up, that we don't deserve. And she says, I want these students to know that God loves you. He, she says, Jesus' blood has covered me that I don't need to feel the shame of my past or of the things that I do that go against God. And she, I mean, she just spoke so boldly. She, she, one thing she said is, I look forward to the day that he's calling me home and I'm waving to, to the Satan in hell saying, you didn't get me. And, and what's so neat about this is, you know, God, is, God has been working in my heart, preparing me, equipping me to be in these situations, in these conversations. And I could tell you a whole number of conversations I've had with these youth. But because he has me in his word every day, because he has me waking up before my whole family every day so I could be in prayer, he is giving me the words to share and to speak into lives of the youth. And when she said that, and Dave Norvell, he brought this verse to our group as he, uh, once we were meeting, and it was Romans 12, 1 and 2. And I just shared with her, I said, you know, Jesus went to the cross, and for the joy set before him, enduring the suffering, he despised the shame. And so just with God putting that on my heart to be able to share this with this young lady, she wants to teach this message to the group. And this is not an uncommon thing. We have a young lady in our church, Bibi, Bibi Kiel, and many of you know her. She asked, can I share what God's doing in my heart? And she got up in front of the group and shared. And we have this happen often on a Thursday at lunch at Carson High School. And so this young lady, she's going to get up there. She's got a, I mean, she already had things typed up in her phone. She typed in tw uh, uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Uh, we had just a wonderful conversation. But I'm just so encouraged by her. And the one last thing I'll say about that is we have, there's a large group, and BB included, of juniors on campus who are just so in love with Jesus and want everyone to know him right now. My daughter will be a freshman next year. I'm so thankful that they will be leaders in FCA when she comes into the school as a freshman to just witness to her, share with her what God is doing in their lives so that she will step into that position of leadership in FCA as she goes through the, the high school school years too. So I, I, I am so thankful that in addition to teaching chemistry, I can be speaking the, the love of Christ, the truth of God's word on a school campus. And I'm envious of Timothy and Caitlin and the volunteers and the youth pastors who get to every day they show up at a campus in this valley at lunchtime. And that's what they're talking about every single day. We are hiring. <laughs> so that kind of draws us into the next portion of Scripture. The first one, I'll just remind you real quick. Motivation for good works, the perfect character of God, His mighty works, His promises, His empowering, living a way that's pleasing and honoring to Him, and ultimately we want to give Him glory. But the next part of these verses has to do with sort of our, our spiritual team. And so he says in verse 22, brothers and sisters, I urge you to receive, and that word means to endure or, or put up with, this message of exhortation, which is a challenging or a, or a stirring. So he says, hey, I realize for 13 chapters I've been kind of poking in the ribs and maybe some other places too. Put up with it. I want you to keep listening, uh, for I've written to you briefly. In other words, I could say more. Um, but, but I've used limited words here. I've written to you briefly. Be aware that our brother Timothy has been released. And if he comes soon enough, he will be with me when I see you. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who are from Italy send you great greetings. Grace be with you all. And that's the end of the letter. 
And so what he talks about here is sort of the motivation from good works from the, the, the spiritual leaders or the church in your life. And so you have the appeal of spiritual leaders. He says that I urge you to receive. Don't be neglectful of God's word, but I urge you to receive it. The stirring of spiritual leaders receive this message of exhortation. You, you, you can't be a know-it-all. Um, there are things that God is teaching you. And so we don't want to be neglectful of God's Word, and we don't want to approach God's Word as though we know it all, but instead we want to be ready to receive something from Him. And then he says, pay attention to the example of spiritual leaders. Be aware that our brother Timothy has been released. Timothy was so serious about the gospel that being imprisoned was not a big deal to him. Well, maybe it was a big deal, but it was worth it. And so you can't, be, you can't lack courage. You can't be a namby-pamby, right? And so and then we have the mission of the church. He says, when I see you, those who are from Italy send you greetings. And so you see that the, the, the mission of the church is big. Like you got to get on a boat. You got to spend your time, your talent, your resources. You got to use these things in order for the, the mission to move forward. And so we don't want to be non-functioning, sitting on the sideline. Um, we have love, the love that you have for the church. He says, greet all your leaders and saints. And I'll, he says, greet them. He doesn't say be nosy and get in the middle of their business. Um, we were studying First Peter at the men's group on Monday night, and there's, there's a word in First Peter that we studied this last week that's translated busybody. And, and it literally means somebody that enters into the affairs of others without being asked. Um, so all you mothers-in-laws, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It was a joke. It was a joke. <laughs> You're in trouble now. But he says, he says, don't suffer as one. Don't suffer as a busybody. Um, and he puts it in the same sentence with some other pretty despicable characteristics. And so it, we don't want to be sticking our nose in things that aren't our business, but instead supporting and encouraging. And the other thing to recognize there is that you have to have relationship with somebody before you're going to try and enter into areas of their life. Um, and then the grace of God, the grace of God be with you all. And so instead of being filled with grace, we could be negative. And so you want to be thoughtful about how you build your spiritual team. If somebody consistently exhibits one of those negative behaviors, they may or may not be ready for spiritual leadership. But if, if, they're, if they're coming along and listening to God's word and growing, then perhaps there's, there's spot for them there. So in the next thing we see in this motivation of good works, the appeal of spiritual leaders, the stirring of spiritual leaders, the example of spiritual leaders, the mission of the church, the love you have for the church, and the grace of God. And so, Tim, I want to ask you, who is your spiritual team, and what are you guys doing? Um, before I go into more detail as far as what the, the team looks like, um, something that God spoke to me and, and that hits home as far as with FCA and, and, and that calling is uh, he... he I learned about a, when I was in youth ministry, I learned about a four to one ratio. And so many times in, in youth ministry, we look at, or kids ministry, we look at ratios and be like, all right, one, two, three, all right, we got 20 kids in this room, right? Okay, we need like three or four leaders, right? It's, you know, a six to one ratio or an eight to one ratio. Um, and I was reading this book in youth ministry and it flipped that ratio around, right? And I said, okay, we have one youth, right? We have Johnny right there in our youth ministry. Uh, we got Johnny in the classroom, or, or we got Johnny in, in church, or whatever that is. We got Johnny at home. Is there four adult um, or young adult, right? Is there four Christian mentors in Johnny's life, right? And, and when there is, when there's four, you know, at least four, obviously not just, that's not like a magic number, but the idea that he, Johnny needs more than one Christian mentor in their life, right? And I remember reading that. And so just FCA being such a big part of that as we talk about the team. Uh, and so let's, let's picture Carson High School, right, in, in that classroom. And so just within that one classroom, we have a couple FCA um, staff people. Uh, we, have, uh, we have three or four teachers or administrators at that huddle. Uh, and then we have a couple, probably, you know, one to three pastors or youth pastors there from many different churches there at the same time, right? So we got one huddle, and you have FCA staff people, you have the teachers, administrators there, you know, that are Christians, and then you have the pastors and youth pastors there within one classroom, right? 20 to, I would say, each one of our huddles has anywhere between 10 to upwards to 60 students sometimes in these huddles. 
And, and we have this team of, of Christians, right, that, um, that are there for the students that God can use to, to support them. And so as far as FCA team uh, and FCA in general, the ministry itself, there's, there's over 2,000 staff across 100 different countries. So that's kind of globally what FCA looks like uh, that we get to be a part of um, and that structure and that organization and, and that security um, and support of the ministry. But then if you break it down just statewide, I think we have 13 staff now across the state and then, um, and then even smaller, uh, just in, in our area here, uh, we have three staff. And then, like I mentioned, we get to work very closely with teachers, administrators, uh, and pastors, and, and, um, and these pastors. And then also our support team. You know, and, and Kurt mentioned that uh, Hilltop uh, and, and many of our supporters, Ty, Ty was actually our, our first um, supporter, monthly supporter, uh, to partner with, with me when I first came on. Um, but uh, where was I going with that support team? Oh, yeah. So it's just really humbling to think about being, being in ministry now for, for six years with FCA, being a full-time missionary, um, and looking back and, and seeing how individuals and, and churches have been partnering with us through monthly support, uh, which, which looks like prayer, uh, financial support, and, and, and being a part of the ministry if they're able to for five or six years, it's really humbling to look back and like, wow, look how far we've come. And some of these people have been on the team since we started. And actually many of the team, many of the people have been on the team since we started. So it's just, it's a, it's, it's definitely yep. a team, definitely a team. So what about you, Ty, in the classroom? What's a, what's a spiritual team look like at the huddle? Well, I'd say first, again, going back to the equipping part, God introduced me to a group of men when I was in Vegas about two, two years before we moved here. And I was invited by one of my really good friends now. I, he's the chaplain for the Nevada National Guard down in Vegas. And he wanted to start a discipleship group with men from our church. And so God handpicked nine other men, including uh, in addition to himself, so 10 of us. And we had two years of discipleship. And we were being led by a man of God who was teaching us how to read the word how to pray, how to evangelize, how to go out into the world. And so he equipped me before moving here to a new area. And, and so it's my brothers in Christ, both in Vegas and those that are here, here in Carson in the Valley. Uh, I meet weekly on Monday nights in our men's Bible study and uh, have grown in with so many relationships. In fact, the idea of praying and going into that prayer closet and spending time with God daily, following the example of Jesus Christ, who went away morning, noon, and night to meet with the Father, that the Father would give him the information that what he needed for just that moment, just that day, our daily bread. And, and so I've been encouraged by men and brothers in Christ who have, have shown me how to pray. Um, my wife, my family, my, my parents, um, w this is my team. And one thing Kurt said, which Tim, when you said this about that four to one ratio, Kurt, when you came back from the, the seminar, the meeting in a conference in Dallas, mm -hmm. you mentioned that it takes four. If you have four Christian close relationship friends in your family, in your, in your close circle, 80% you're going to continue to walk with the Lord. And as you get more and more, it's even higher and higher that your life will continue to live for God and walk in his will. I have, well, God has surrounded me with believers, men and women alike, my family, my parents, uh, to, my parents share with me videos uh, of teachers, pastors teaching. Every week I get, a, I get a, at least two or three of these from my mom and I watch them. Because I know if she's sending it to me, it must have been something important. And I listen to these different teachers and, they, and I gain so much. And so the team that I have uh, of, of building into these kids, uh, it, it, it's vast. It's you. 
it's all of you. And so uh, that's a big encouragement too, is make sure you're surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals. Make sure that you're doing life consistently. We meet on Tuesday mornings with a prayer group and that group grows. Uh, and so, so that's the team. Being surrounded and being in the word and being encouraged to be in the word and being in prayer uh, has changed my walk dramatically. Yeah. Yeah, this, the study is done by Barna Group. The author is Dave Kinneman. The book is Faith is Exiles. And in that, they talk about resilient disciples. And a resilient disciple is somebody who remains connected to a church. They continue to serve in a church. And they're actively reading the Bible and have a, a, a vibrant relationship with God. And if they have four or more people that are teaching them how to read the Scriptures, and one of the things the guys, he said, was if they're, if they're, if they're loved to love the Scriptures... So you love the person and you show them how you love the scripture, then, then it impacts the way that they approach God's word and then God's word impacts them. And if they have four or more people like that in their lives, it was over 80% of them that, that would be real resilient disciples. And so that was a Gen Z study, but I think it would find true across the generations that if you have um, spiritual mentors that are teaching you, that are loving you to love God's word, um, you keep following Jesus. And so, what are you guys doing in the huddles, Tim? Talk a little bit about um, what, what happens on a, on a weekly basis. Let me just read this one slide. You have nine huddles um, meeting in six different schools. Uh, Carson High, Douglas, Sierra Lutheran, Carson Middle School, Eagle Valley Middle School, and CVMS down in Douglas. Around 250 students attend our huddles every week. Last year, over 50 students made a decision to accept Jesus into their lives as their Lord and Savior, and they handed out over 75, amen, 75 Bibles. Um, and that is an exciting thing to get to be a part of, to see that take place. Um, but what's a, what's, what are you guys doing on the campuses? You say engage, equip, empower. Yeah, so uh, that's kind of what the, the bigger picture looks like as far as our, our community here in, in Douglas and Carson. Um, each week... Uh, we meet during during uh, non-instructional time, so most of our huddles are during lunch um, on these campuses. We also uh, have one huddle currently that meets in the morning, every uh, Friday mornings before school. Uh, most of them during lunch, and, and they're uh, more campus huddles, you know, different FCAs, different areas. Some are a little more sport-specific than others. For us, uh, we're more of a campus ministry, and, um, and so we encourage uh, we encourage athletes and Christians to come, right, and then bring their friends, right? Bring the, your friends that aren't athletes or bring your friends that uh, aren't Christians, right? So it's really made up of kind of a mishmash, you know. Maybe, maybe half of them are Christians. Half of those 200 to 250 students are, are Christians, right? The other half are not. And that's, that's kind of what we want, right? Yeah. We don't want holy huddle all the time, right? We, we, want, uh, we want students. FCA is very very uh, missionary, very gospel-centered, like, let's, let's reach the, lo the lost people, right? So, um, and then, uh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> yes, so, okay, so E3 uh, is, is a, a theme that FCA has across, across the nation or across the world. And uh, so the, the first E stands for engage, all right? So for us, we want to engage people with God's love. You talked about that relationship building, that rapport building with the students. Um, so engaging them with God's love and the gospel and then equipping them with God's word um, through through devotionals, through pastors coming in and, and sharing messages, uh, through equipping them with with Bibles or FCA Bibles. Um, that's what we gave out. Seventy five of those last year. And they're not they're not, uh, you know, these two dollar nice. Bible. Yeah, I mean, they're nice they're thirty dollar Bibles. Right. They're they're study Bibles. They're they're really nice, you know, and, and they're. They're geared towards students, and, and it has FCA stuff in there, you know, so they can kind of relate all those things together and, and open them up and get into them, and not just kind of set them off to the side. So, um, and then that last part is empowering, and so we want uh, we want to empower the the teachers, the administrators, the uh, the pastors, uh, the students um, to, to share God's love and share God's word with others. Um, so that's, that's the, the final and probably the most important piece, right? To, to train up others and, you know, to, to allow them to be used by God as well. So, cause we're only one, one person up here, three of us up here. Uh, but if we, if we can equip that whole team to go out and share God's word, then, then, uh, 
that's, that's how God's kingdom works. So, yeah. Yeah, I'll just share real quick. In my time working with FCA, I've been in classrooms like you see behind me um, where, you're, where you're sharing um, a message. I've been at the gym where there's been a larger group of students gathered. Um, and then I've also, like pregame, there was that time where we were doing pregame messages for the, uh, the, the varsity um, boys and girls basketball teams. And then there was a time where we were praying at, uh, at, at midfield at the 50-yard line after football games. Um, so I've done uh, the exposure, the opportunity to share those things, you know, to, to love uh, with God's love, to equip with God's word, and then encourage the students to do the same. It takes various forms, uh, and the goal is to expand those forms. But Ty, when you think about that, what, what's, what's been most impactful for you as far as um, what you're doing in the classroom? Yeah, it, um, <clears throat> it's it's seeing the growth of individuals through learning and knowing who God is through his word. And like I said, there's, there's a number of examples uh, of students that have come and, and shared struggles or shared things that God is speaking to them on. And, uh, and so, um, yeah, I, I just say it's, it's such a blessing for me and, and how God is showing me his hand in the lives of these young people. And I, I'm just a teacher on campus. But everybody on that campus knows who the teacher is that, that loves Jesus and knows him. And with these teachers now joining us, I mean, I see Shar Barnum is here today. She joins us every week when she can get out. And um, I saw someone else here, too, that, oh, Sean. Uh, you know, Sean's now our deputy on campus, Sean Palomar. And, and so he comes in with his, with his uniform on, and these kids see a man of Christ who's wearing the uniform. And, and now he's having conversations with kids on campus. And then he and I can identify students that, man, this, this kid needs, needs some encouragement. Needs, uh, he deals with some of those not so, uh, maybe the more difficult kids. And so we're praying for these kids. And that's where, you know, as we get into this next part and you all partnering with FCA is that prayer is so important. Um, for me, here's a personal story. My stepson, who <clears throat> we haven't had much relationship in the last six years or three years, I haven't heard back and forth. <clears throat> and but he's he knows who I am. He knows what was imp who's important to me. That Jesus is important to me. And just six weeks ago, he reached out to me after praying for years with my brothers in Christ in my different ministry uh, Bible studies, praying for him, praying for my daughter. And, and I had no contact with him. And six weeks ago, he calls me and says, I just got out of church, Dad, and I couldn't stop thinking about you. And we now talk every Sunday. He just called me before the first service, and I said, hey, pal, how was church today? And he gave me a quick rundown, and I said, okay, well, I'm on stage, so I can't talk too long, but I've got the week off. We'll talk again. These are the things that prayer does. And so we sat in our Tuesday morning co uh, coffee Bible study and we said, man, the power of prayer is amazing. Let's just sit this morning and let's pray. And you pray for things that God's put on your heart and I'll pray for things that God's put on my heart. And we went around this circle of about six of us men and we just prayed for the things that God has been putting on our heart, family members, friends. And the neatest thing about that is now I know things that th these guys probably wouldn't have shared as prayer requests. Hey, will you pray for this friend of mine or you pray for this uh, uh, child of mine or this? Because we prayed our own prayers, I am now thinking of these individuals that they were praying for on Tuesday morning all week as I'm getting up in my prayer time. So pray with people. Pray in your own time. I shared uh, yesterday morning at our men's breakfast with the men. I said... Uh, the last four months of, of my prayer life has been the most amazing I've had since I was a Christian 20, what, at 25 years old. <clears throat> Sometimes I would go to prayer and I'd pray things and I'm like, okay, what else do I need to pray for? And because of my brothers in Christ who have shared with me their prayer life, I was able to sit in the prayer closet and just be quiet and listen. And then God just started putting on my heart 
the people who he wanted me to think of and to pray for. And that gave me an opportunity to now reach out to some of those people on the phone and tell them, hey, I was thinking about you. I was praying for you. God put you on my heart. How's everything going? And so I want to encourage you guys to, to, to be in your prayer life, but, the, but individually on your own and make it a daily habit. You know, I would not have the words to say to these kids or even to some of you who have come up to me to share very personal things. I'm not a counselor. I have not been equipped for that from the worldly standpoint, but God has been equipping me for the last four, 23 years. And he's now put on my heart to where if someone approaches me with something, I just say, Lord, give me words. That's all I have to say. And then like with that young student, Romans 12, 1 and 2, share that with her. And so um, it's just an encouraging word for all of us to make sure that we're spending time with the Father, both all in his word, in fellowship with others, and in prayer. Yeah, I'll just jump back to this slide real quick. And, you know, you have sort of the, the inverse of what we're being called to on the right there. And I think... The wisdom that Ty is sharing with you is if you find yourself neglectful and know-it-all, you're lacking courage, you're not functioning, you're sticking your nose in things that doesn't belong in, you're negative. The other one I would add to this is you're nitpicking things. Um, if, if that's where you're at, I think the words that are coming out of your mouth, they're probably demonstrating a lack of time with God. Um, I think for, for us as individuals... Uh, for every minute we spend speaking, hopefully we spend five talking to God about what we're going to say. Um, and that should cause you to be slow to speak, quick to listen. Um, and the listening is to the individual that you're talking to, but it's also to God. And I, I think that that's the wisdom that Ty is sharing with you. If you really want to bring spiritual meat to the table, um, you got to go to the source for it. Um, and so... Uh, that, that would be my encouragement there. Now, as we talk about where FCA is going, the, the vision for FCA in northern Nevada, Tim, what, what, where, what's, the, what's the vision, what's the dream? Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I don't remember if I, this is first service or second. <laughs> what I don't want to repeat already? too much. Yeah, yeah. I know, it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, yeah. it's all good. But all right, so uh, we'll start with, with one year. Um, we'll start with the next year. And so... Uh, I shared um, with somebody earlier that uh, for the first five years, uh, I, I really felt like, um, you know, kind of I was the youth pastor guy. You know, I was the guy uh, that wanted to be with all the students all the time and, and, and be there and, you know, for all the students in every campus and, and go everywhere and do everything. And then it was Friday and there was only five days in, in the week when there's school. And then I was like, and all right, I, and I, I was on as many schools as I could that week, and then the week's over. And then there was all these other schools that I couldn't be on. And, and, so, um, and so God was, was calling me to, uh, to raise up others, you know, to empower others uh, who, who God was calling, just like he, he did for me five years ago to this ministry. You know, God's calling others to full-time ministry uh, with, with youth, right? And, and he's calling them to FCA. And so I need to kind of step out of the ministry a little bit and, and start looking and praying for those people and, and how we can continue to grow because, um, and so last year, uh, we hired Gina, my wife, uh, as a part-time admin, um, assistant. And then this year we hired Caitlin Browning, uh, as an area rep. And when we first started talking this year, um, she was talking about part-time. She's finishing up school uh, and getting her degree in youth and family ministry. So she's finishing up school, uh, and she's currently part-time uh, area rep raising support. But I don't know, it's maybe a few months, Caitlin, into the training and, and into being coming to all the huddles and just uh, seeing what it's like to be an F FCA missionary here in our area. And she was like, I'll I'm called to go full time. And so, uh, so she's working toward that this year. Uh, but so then our goal is just to kind of repeat that and duplicate that. So, you know, so next year, can we hire one more staff person? Right. And then the next year we hire another and then the next year we hire another. And so that, that will allow us to grow. Um, you know, for one staff person, I would say four to six huddles is probably a good amount of huddles for kind of one person to, to oversee and to help lead. So, um, and so we're currently at, at nine or 10 uh, with, with one full-time and, and, 
and two part-time. And uh, so if we can continue to grow in, in five years, um, I, I, I did a map of, of the area and, and counted all the different high schools and middle schools in our communities. And so if you count Douglas County, Carson City, Lyon, and, and South Ta and, and the Ta some of the Tahoe schools um, within an hour of us, there's 25 campuses high schools and middle schools. And so that, that's the vision, that's the goal over the next five years to continue growing in that way. Add another staff person, we'll continue to add more huddles, um, continue to add, uh, you know, reach different schools uh, to potentially be on 25 campuses um, in five years. So that's, that's exciting. Yeah, that's the big vision. That's the God-sized vision right there. Yeah, so let me share the bottom part of this, the one-year partnership goal. Right now, Tim has 38 individuals or churches that are supporting him. Um, through what we would say prayer giving uh, and that's the large part there is giving and then going um, and the goal is for him to get to 50 and so one of the things that that my hope has been as Tim is here with us this morning is that maybe maybe four or six or eight of those individual supporters would come from his time spent with us um, and so if, if God's kind of looking at, at, you're looking at this and you're going, wow, this is compelling. Uh, the gospel reaching students, um, them being engaged and encouraged and empowered um, to, to do what they're doing within those schools. And I want to be a part of this growing. Um, one of the things that Tim needs is, is partners. And so I would love for uh, maybe, like I just said, four, six, eight people to, from Hilltop to say, we want to be a part of this. And that means maybe $50 a month. Maybe it means more than that. Um, but something that would that would enable him and Gina to have this ministry grow along with Caitlin. And so that that's kind of the the goal there. And so when we talk about partnering with FCA, there's there's prayer that we're praying for the leaders and the opportunities, the the huddle leaders, the missionaries, the the, the youth pastors, the students, all the different members of this spiritual team that we're praying for them. If, if God's putting on your heart to give, I want you to, I really hope that you'll come up front and talk to Tim after the service, Tim and Gina, and see what, what it would be like for you to be a part of that. Maybe you're going, hey, I don't have 50 bucks a month, but I would love to serve. Um, I'd love to go to one of the huddles um, and, uh, and maybe, maybe share your testimony and, and how God brought you to faith and how that relates to um, the lives of the students. Uh, that's another opportunity for you to go and be a part of that. Maybe you can do all three. Um, maybe, maybe you're looking at this and you're going, FCA is really not what God is calling me to. And, and this is what I want to wrap up with. You know, I asked Tim, what drew you to FCA in the first place? Just, just fill in the blank with whatever it is for you. It's not FCA. It's, uh, it's a men's Bible study. It's uh, feeding people. It's making sure that clothing is going out of the community. It's a women's Bible study. It's a small group in your home. It's a special needs program. It's a, I, I don't know, whatever, whatever God is drawing you to, um, how is he drawing that to you? What's motivating you to keep going? And then who is your spiritual team? Maybe God's given you a grand vision to do something new. Who would you invite to be a part of that team? Um, and, and how would you go about doing it? And so I, I think whatever it is that God has for you, you know, have a, have a vision that he's giving to you for some ministry um, that you're, you're going to be a part of as a Christian so that God's kingdom can be grown and he can be glorified. And whatever, those, whatever that area is, that you'd be praying about that, that you'd be giving your time, your talent, your resources towards it, and then you go and, and do it. Um, and so let me close with prayer here. And what I want to do is I want to just pray essentially these verses over you. And that's what I did at the beginning. Let's do it one more time. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God of peace. Uh, that your son, our Lord Jesus Christ, is the shepherd of the sheep. And by your power, you brought him back from the dead. After he had endured the suffering of the cross and despised the shame that was poured out on him, which was truly our shame, and removing that shame from us so that we could be made whole, he rose from the dead and he appeared to hundreds of eyewitnesses. And that's what we have in the accounts of the, of the Gospels is hundreds of eyewitness accounts of your son Jesus living a sinless life, dying in our place, raising from the dead, giving us new life. And in that, God, you have, you're equipping us. You're making us new creation, your children, your ambassadors, and you're equipping us with everything that we need to do your will.
And that wheel is going to look a little bit different specifically for each and every one of us. But overall, it's going to look like glorifying you. It's going to look like doing what's pleasing in your sight, not in my own sight, not in my culture's sight, but what's pleasing in your sight. And we recognize, God, that we cannot do this in our own strength. And so we thank you that this is done through Jesus Christ who lives in us. You have given us your spirit and he is our comforter and our helper and our empowerer. And in everything that we're called to do, God, he is, you are with us. And so in that, God, we long for you to receive the glory. I pray that you would, you would cause us to not be neglectful of your word, but receive it. That you would cause us not to think that we're no, we know it all, but to, but to learn something new. That we wouldn't be afraid, that we wouldn't be discouraged, but instead we would spend our lives, as those in the scriptures did, on your kingdom. That the mission of the church that we would be engaged in it, not non-functioning, sitting on the sideline, but we would be engaged, that we would be supporting and, and undergirding the spiritual leaders and the believers around us, and not causing them to feel stress or feel overwhelmed because we're sticking our nose in things that shouldn't be in, but instead to, to greet them and to support them and to work alongside them, God, in a way that honors you. Cause us not to be negative, but instead filled with your grace, and Father, I also pray this morning that there, there's somebody here this morning that has not decided to follow you as their Lord and Savior. I pray that right now they would know that they are loved by you, that they love you, you are, you are so much in love with them, in spite of their sin, in spite of their faults, knowing everything. You love them so much that you, you went to the cross to bear their shame, not just in general, but their shame. And that you want to take it away and replace it with the wholeness that comes from knowing you, from being a new creation. And Father, I pray that right now your spirit is moving in the heart of someone here and they're making a decision. Jesus Christ, thank you for your death on the cross. I trust you as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to follow you moving forward. God, that is our mission that is our, our heart's desire, is to see so many people choose that. And then not flounder on their own, but be a part of a spiritual community that wants to see them grown up. Keep our eyes fixed on what's important, not the side stuff, not the peripheral stuff. Keep our eyes fixed on what's important. Through FCA and other endeavors like it, will you cause the churches in the area to, to let go of the doctrines that divide? Know what we believe, but don't divide over them, but instead focus on uh, your kingdom growing. It's not how much I know, it's who I know. It's not so much what I'm doing, it's who I'm becoming. And so God, will you transform each person in this room into an image bearer of your son? And then from that, they're going to do things they'd never choose on their own. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in and joining us today. We hope that this message encourages you to continue taking steps towards seeking and understanding God's truth. The dream is that Hilltop is a home for the growing family of God, and we're so glad that you are a part of the family.